0: And and Arizona Sports,
1: the local sports leader, Bigley Blast. Thanks to Colt McCoy and the friendly storytellers at HBO, Cliff Kingsbury has had a little bit of momentum this week. His seat is still hot, just not black leather seats in a parked car in the middle of a parking lot during an Arizona summer kind of hot. And now comes a turning point. Beat the 49ers and there might be a path to redemption for this head coach and this football team. Beat the 49ers and the Cardinals will be in position to complete their very first goal and their very, Very first promise entering the season to finish strong, to reverse the calculus from the previous two years. Beat the 49ers, and anything is possible, really, because this is a really big game on a really big stage, in a really big stadium, in a really big city, on Monday Night Football, and yes, with those HBO cameras lingering on the sideline. And if that happened, it would mean the Cardinals finally met a moment that they finally beat a good opponent. And the pressure of expectations, that they finally came through in the clutch, that they finally seized a moment instead of waving at it as it went by. And that is exactly the kind of breakthrough this coach and this football team needs at the moment. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations. Find them online at chapmanbmw.com.
2: I was really bad on predicting Buddha last week, so I don't want to get into
1: predicting Kyler, but he, he's progressed well. I mean, I, I, like I said, he's still getting treatment on it. We want him to be 100% um, when he's out there, particularly against this defensive line, so I won't have a feel for that till later in the week. That was
0: Cliff Kingsbury on Wednesday, staying out of the prediction business. Uh, we were all wrong on Buddha. Hey, I think Buddha was wrong at a certain point last week on Buddha. Uh, but, you know, when you go into this game Monday night, this question is still very much at the the forefront of all of it um, you know the, the 49ers are saying we're preparing for both we've seen both of these guys but we don't know who's gonna go uh, the Cardinals keeping it close to the vest um, and th- th- there might be more reasons behind that than than we even realize but that's still the central question of going into this game is who's going to be the quarterback for the Cardinals Yeah, that's right I think they can win with either guy uh, they've got to play uh, pretty you know a pretty buttoned up ball game the way that they did last week but um, it's weird going into the weekend and still having this level of uncertainty on who's going to be the, the guy
1: well, you know, yeah. taking the snaps and and what what's interesting is the point that Mike Florio just brought up and that's an opinion shared by a lot of people that, that the, the issue, the real central issue here isn't so much the quarterback and where he's at now it's the offense that he is operating in and if the rest of the NFL has figured out Cliff Kingsbury's offense and there's been a lot of evidence that they have mm-hmm. and the offense has not been able to evolve and grow and become something different because you need a quarterback who can get under center to make that happen then really what what good is this and that theory uh, Mike Florio used to say part of what we saw last week with Colt McCoy against the Rams was exactly what this team can't do on a weekly basis with Kyler Murray and that's change Colt McCoy was suddenly something different. It was an evolution, if you will. It was a it was a different thing suddenly put in front of an opponent, and it worked. Yeah, but I, does that mean Colt McCoy works a second we time? We saw
3: that in Game Two last True, year versus the Panthers. I he went
0: did. back and I watched not the full game, but uh, you know, the first handful of <clears throat> excuse me of possessions that the Cardinals had. And the Cardinals basically shocked everybody by coming out and throwing on their first 11 plays from scrimmage. Um, in that stretch, it was still predominantly shotgun. The difference was where the ball was going. And we talked about this, and there were some instances where you know, it was obvious that a bubble screen was called. Uh, there was one, and Colt McCoy took the snap, took his step back, was going to deliver the bubble screen pass to the right. Look what was out there. Didn't like the numbers, and then went to his second option, which was DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline, about 10 to 12 yards down the field. That, to me, was the biggest difference. Yeah, It's not necessarily the plays that were called. We saw a smoother operation, definitely, but it was the processing of the information that the defense was providing exactly, and, and Colt McCoy did right. a great job of that yeah,
1: and again you don't get the ball out as quick as Colt McCoy did if you're not succeeding at pre-snap reads and that is clearly a huge advantage Colt McCoy has over Kyler Murray and and the other thing too is is we talked yesterday about the pre-snap penalties and, and the clock winding down almost to zero every single time nearly when Kyler's back there yeah as, as our Guy Chuck Harris pointed out, uh, and I and I wish I would have thought of this because this is very accurate. The longer you keep an offensive lineman down in that position, uh-huh. the more you're asking for trouble. So Colt McCoy was smart enough at times to get the call, get guys organized, and go. Because the the longer you're, the longer you linger. The more trouble can happen at the line of scrimmage. That's true in life as well. The longer you, <laughs> it's <is> so true. <laughs> Don't linger longer, folks. Take it from Vinny and I. <laughs> can confirm. We yes, yes. Can confirm. Never mind that
0: there's an establishment that has that very name right down yeah. the street from the radio station. Great but. spot, by the
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, so listen. It. I, I do like. I do like the words of Vance Joseph. The fact that that there's an excitement in that building about what's to come. Because uh, let's be honest, when when they, when they had a game of this, when they last had a game of this kind of magnitude, uh-huh. it, it feels like it was that playoff game in L.A. And there wasn't a lot of excitement. <laughs> there was a lot of, it, what looked to me, resignation and lack of belief, and the quarterback was extremely, extremely skittish. Well, yeah,
0: to clarify that, not a lot of uh, it, what appeared to be... Interior excitement. I rem I remember being you. Your words got me jacked up for that game. Mm-hmm. Like wow. Playoff We're finally Kyler. going to see playoff Kyler. This is going to look different. There's not going to be that same level of caution. You have to throw it to the wind because it's, it, you know, win or go
1: home. And the moment ate him up. Yeah. In the moment and the opponent, it all ate him up. And it was just, it was painful to watch. And that's, listen, that's when you get, when you get down to it, when you get past the system, when we get to this quarterback, even if this quarterback we're in a better system right now even if he were with a hall of fame coach right now this quarterback has got something to prove mm-hmm. and that is that he can be clutch in big games in the nfl and it's just you know it's there are just there are people who think you know that you can make this issue as complicated as you want you can also make this issue as simple as you want the nfl it, it, kyler murray is playing against athletes so much bigger and 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 taller than he's ever had to deal with and it's he's just having a hard time seeing the game and reading the game, and and I, I I don't know how much better you can get, but I think the people that have been you know whispering about dude needs to study more. This is what they're talking about. When you've got limitations at that position, you got to compensate for it with knowledge. Yeah. So
0: people will say the most important aspect. Uh, of a successful quarterback is not the speed, not the legs, not the arm strength or the accuracy. It's the brain. And that's, you know, that that's a process for every quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, we'll get into some NFL talk. Uh, the Packers not circling the drain yet, but they're getting close after Thursday Night Football. That and more straight ahead here on this football. Uh, football friday it's bickley and morata mornings on arizona sports the local sports leader bickley and morata hash marks
2: yeah season's not over uh, there's still six opportunities left you know we got a tough game gotta go to philly hopefully we can these few days get a little healthy or uh refresh the mind and then uh, obviously we gotta gotta win these next games
0: Darren Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers doing more losing than he's done in a while. Was on the uh, short end of the stick again last night. Packers lose on Thursday Night Football at home. Twenty-seven, seventeen, in their version of their color rush jerseys, which you know, their their version of the color rush is just take all the color out and wear all white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Somebody's got to right. do something different with their uniforms every Thursday. Uh, they're four and seven. Well, hey, uh, Mike Florio is right about that. If you're the Vikings, you feel good about this because that's that's like that's like Jason from Halloween. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. yeah, the quicker you get him out of the picture, the better. What are you going to say, Jarrett? Michael Myers from Halloween. Jason's from Friday the Thirteenth. Oh so I've got the wrong I've got the wrong evil dude in the wrong movie is what I've uh, got I'll
0: take homicidal movie maniacs for a 2000
1: there you go (laughs) that's like Jack Sparrow in Master and Commander exactly got it right (laughs) there you go all right, so uh, so in terms of that, that's one thing, but also the way Aaron Rodgers looked last night, a lot of those floaty passes landing in the middle of nowhere. And yes. I'm like, what is this? Yes. Uh, here's Aaron Rodgers describing what
2: went wrong. Well, I thought Ryan played really well for them. They uh, stopped the run. gloved us in the back end. Uh, we knew this crew through a lot of flags. Um, so, you know, combine that with, you know, me missing some throws and us not capitalizing on a couple opportunities like Keyshawn's return there. Getting points there obviously hurt us, but we just never could kind of get over that hump and get the ball back with a chance to take the lead.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the struggles for Rodgers, uh, not all of them, but a lot of them have been based around, you know, the personnel – uh, you know, with him on the offense, especially at the wide receiver position. And you can see this rookie Christian Watson kind of becoming that guy late in the season. He had two more touchdowns last night, made a great catch in the end zone. But there was one play um, with another receiver, Alan Lazard, who was targeted 11 times in the game, had five catches for 57 yards. But there was a throw where he's running free across the middle of the field and Rodgers delivered an uncharacteristic high ball. But it wasn't that high. Lazard put his hand up, never even jumped. Just, and didn't even break stride, just kind of kept running. It was yeah. a weird looking that play. Was weird. And I was no, like, I agree. I was like, no. yeah, that might be indicative of, of Green Bay's problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of guys selling out. Not a yes. lot of belief. And listen, the quarterback's kind of driven a wedge between him and a, and a lot of guys in that offense very early on. There's the the very fundamental question of of complaining about not having chemistry with guys when you were the guy that wasn't around during mm-hmm. the off season. There's a there's a lot of that. There's a I, I think I think Aaron Rodgers has kind of lost his grip on that franchise and that team. The question becomes I. It, it, I'm not going to judge him off one game, but he looked like a quarterback that might be coming down the mountain pretty quick. Yeah, and he's
0: looked like that on several different occasions where that was something you could pencil in every week in in previous years was, you know, Rodgers is going to be great. I mean, when he had the the terrible opening game of 2021 against New Orleans, people Mm -hmm. started to say that, oh, maybe Rodgers is slipping a little bit. And then he followed it up with 16 games of MVP level play. We haven't seen that this year. Um, My man, my man, Bick. His, ha- his hopes were dashed by the NFL this week. Oh, no. We were going to get an extreme weather game, mm-hmm. maybe in Buffalo, with feet, not inches, feet of snow. What do they do, Adam Schefter? It's now official. The NFL officially has moved Sunday's Bills-Browns game from Buffalo to Detroit. And that means that in the span of Ooh. five days, the Buffalo Bills will play two straight games at Ford Field. Basically, four fielders, they're home for the next week. They'll play the Browns there on Sunday, stay in Detroit, and then play the Lions in the first game on Thanksgiving Day. But the league made a decision just a short time ago that it didn't want to divert resources from the city of Buffalo to move it away from that city while it's trying to keep the city safe. And so there you go. That game now is being shifted to Detroit, just as the Jets-Bills game was back in 2014. And the Bills now will play two straight games in Detroit. You know who I'm happy for, though? The football fans of Detroit actually get to watch a competent football team play in that stadium two weeks in a row. Decades. <laughs> it's
1: funny. It's funny. That's sure, funny. Sure, one of them it's is against bad. the well, in-town team. But I don't know still. If you saw this, but Ford Field, um, they have like a carnival going on that they've got to dismantle and disrupt and move out to to accommodate this oh, game. Really? I didn't. I didn't see yeah, that. it's a real low-budget kind of carnival. They've they've got pictures of the people have taken some shots. What? Oh, I thought for sure that was the setup. It's a real low budget kind of carnival. It's called the Detroit Lions. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, Yeah, but it shows the power of the NFL. You know, you've got you here. You've got the you know. You got the Ferris wheel. You have got the the tilt a whirl. Whatever those. You got the cotton candy yeah, scrambler. The scrambler. <laughs> yeah. Right. You got all that. And now somebody's gonna have to wheel those things out. So yeah, listen. I, I I I I don't know why, but I love watching the first snow game of the year. Now they just had one in college football that was pretty severe. That right? was the uh, Western Michigan
0: game. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was snowing last night. Wasn't Snowy match. Trenton Borgay's brother. Oh, that's oh. right. Uh, you mean in the NFL game, there was flurries last night at Lambeau, but uh, not really any effect. Yeah, and Lambeau
3: yeah, yeah. Field is not what it used to be because they put those underground like yeah. heaters, it's, so their field doesn't even get like it's quite snowy.
0: literally no longer the frozen
1: tundra. Yeah, or a tundra at all. <laughs> I, I'm, this is going to be curious because that I mean that's like unprecedented amounts of snowfall, four to five feet in one setting. Yeah. What? I no, thought so they just canceled Buffalo's
3: college game too. Oh, yeah. did they? Mm-hmm. Wow. Thoughts and prayers for our girl Catherine Fitzgerald. Yeah,
0: who's I think holds well, up she's probably, inside her home oh. currently. Well, she's right? sure she's going to Detroit with everybody. So. I don't know if she can get out. <laughs> yeah, how's how's this travel happening so freely if it's so bad? Right. Nuts. Uh, come celebrate the biggest FIFA watch party in town with Estrella Jalisco, Sarah Cazell, and special what? guest Gerardo Torado as the Mexican national team takes on Argentina in front of the big screens with live music and giveaways on November 26th at Sportsman's Park. Text SOCCER to 620-620 for complete details. Sarah, that, yeah. do you have your Vuvuzela ready to well, go. That wasn't a surprise Lisa. to you, was it? The way no, you reacted there? Okay. No.
2: no, no. I'll
0: be did there. I, did I just inform you where you are going to be on November 26th? <laughs> I look forward to having plans on November 26th now. Coming yeah. up next, homecoming for the Arizona State Sun Devils final home game of the year. We'll talk to their head coach for his weekly visit. Sean Aguano joins us next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Santan Ford Sun Devil Blitz, presented in part by Kilo River Resorts and Casinos, Arizona State's official sports headquarters, and Santan Ford. We are Santan Ford. Tough one last week at Pullman for the Sun Devils. Final home game for this year's team tomorrow. Uh, Day game against the Oregon State Beavers. Here to talk about it uh, is uh, ASU head football coach Sean Aguano, who joins us now on the Arizona Sports Line. Coach, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing good. Uh, We talked last week about, you know, the mindset of of the team, still with that possibility of bowl eligibility. With the loss to Washington State, that's no longer a possibility. Um, That being said, how do you kind of gauge and and, um, evaluate your team's mindset with two games left going into this final home game?
4: You know, I I think the mindset is good. This is uh, seniors' day. For four, uh, 16 of our seniors, and so uh, we had a great week of practice, knowing that there's something to play for, and uh, um, the seniors had a good talk with with the team, and, and I think we're ready to go.
1: You kind of had a rough weather day in Pullman, which is always horrible when you're not in the game. I, I've seen that happen, to ASU, a couple of different times. What, what, was there anything? What did you take away from that experience?
4: You know, uh we, we came out with a slow start, um, in that first half. I did I was uh, a proud of our guys. In that second half, they came back and fought uh, um, and had three scores. Our defense did really well, and so I was pleased with them
0: fighting for the whole game. Yeah, and you had to make a quarterback change there with, with Trenton Borgay going down. Uh, Emory Jones came in, and I thought as the game went on, Emory got better. He led those touchdown drives in the second half. Uh, what, what is the situation at quarterback? Is, is it back to Trenton Borgay? Is he, is he good to go for tomorrow? Trenton is good to go, and,
4: and uh, he will start. Um, of course, Emery's always ready. Um, I thought he did a great job uh, coming in cold um, last week and, and um, orchestrating those drives for our offense, but uh, uh, Trenton will be the starter this week.
1: How important is it, uh, and obviously the game against Arizona, that speaks for itself, but how important is it to put something good on the field at home given that it's at Sun Devil Stadium this weekend?
4: I think it's very important. It's it's the last time the seniors get to play on their home field. Uh, I think it's incredibly important for our momentum going into Arizona next week. And so this is a big game for us.
0: We're talking with Sean Aguano, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. They will host Oregon State tomorrow. Their homecoming game, also a celebration, the 40-year anniversary of the uh, Sun Devils Fiesta Bowl championship team going on this weekend, which is a uh, cool thing as well. Coach, I wanted to ask you, I know we've talked about him before, but uh, you know, seeing the effort that this uh, young man puts out on the field every single week, X Valade has been everything advertised and more uh, after coming from, from Wyoming. Can you just talk about X validate what he's been- meant to this team the importance that he has to this program right now
4: absolutely you know his will and drive uh since the first day he, he came here um and his gaining of respect um from the team is is unquestionable he is uh, our vocal leader uh, he is, he's a tough guy on the field he's a great uh, um leader off the field
1: and so we've been very pleased with x all right defensively what do you want to see happen this weekend coach You know, uh, we've got to make sure that we stop their
4: run game. Uh, Everything comes off of their run, and and, uh, we have to be solid in the box with our seven, eight guys in the box and and, uh, make them throw the football to beat us. Um, We haven't uh, stopped the run uh, as well as I would like the last couple of games, but uh, that's an emphasis for us going into this game.
0: Coach, you mentioned it uh, last week was very much a tale of of two halves, the, the slow start, you fall behind by 28 points and then dominate the second half. Defensively, you were shorthanded last week. A couple guys out, including Kyle Soley, who's kind of the heart and soul of the defense on that side of the ball. But how much do you think that the defense in particular can take from the, the final 30 minutes that happened in Pullman?
4: You know, I, I think uh, it is a positive. Those, we, we were short, very short-handed, but uh, we got some guys back uh, this week. And so I think it was a positive for them, knowing that uh, they could dominate a half, and now we have to dominate a whole game.
1: All right. What kind of momentum? Let, let's say that you guys do close this thing out with a couple of wins on the way out, which you, you've done fairly regularly in the last five years. What can that do for a program moving forward? Is that important to finish strong, or is that just something media people like to talk about? No,
4: I think it's a very important for you know the psyche of our kids, um, knowing that uh, you know it's been a hard year uh, with um, some changes uh, in the in the staff, and and knowing that uh, they can play throughout the the season and and, uh, get a couple wins at the end, getting
0: that momentum going into the next year. I always, uh, maybe it's just me, I enjoy these late season day games. Uh, I know they're not a possibility early in the season because of the weather. I just wanted to get your thoughts, maybe your team's thoughts about being able to play at home in front of the, the home crowd in the daylight hours is pretty rare. It is rare. Um, Our our kids love that. Uh, You know, we practice in the morning, so they're
4: used to the day uh, practices. Um, You know, the the game gets over at 4.35 o'clock, and there's still time during the day instead of getting over at midnight and coming back in the morning uh, to practice on Sunday. But uh, it gives them a little time. I think they like playing, uh, getting up in the morning and get ready to play um, so I think it's a uh, positive for us playing during the game, during the day. All
1: right. I, I know that this is not about you. I know that you're not making this about you, but a, a strong, a strong finish obviously would support your candidacy. What, do, what is your timeline? Has it been discussed with you? What you're going to do with Dr. Crow and, and, and your bosses once the season is over? uh
4: it hasn't come up yet uh i, I know that uh, like you said uh, i'm here for the, for the the team and and uh wanting to make sure that we finish strong and whatever comes uh, comes but uh this is a senior night and then uh, for a ter- territorial cup for all of it, our alumni and staff and and players but uh we're just concentrating on this two weeks and i'm going to stay focused for these two weeks
1: all right finally what, do you, what how about those bobby hurley sun devils coach
4: <laughs> that was awesome that was awesome. for for them to dominate, and then uh, wrestling dominated, and so now it's time for football. There you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Feel free to take your turn, coach. Yeah, that's right. Best of best of <laughs> luck uh, tomorrow against Oregon State, and then uh, we'll talk to you next week, getting ready for the Territorial Cup. Absolutely. Have a good day,
4: guys. Thank Thanks you, you
0: too, Head Coach Sean Aguano, our weekly guest. Uh, he joins us on Fridays. Sun Devils and Oregon State, and I'm not lying either. I'm not this big Pac-12 after dark kind of guy. No. I love, like my yes. college football early. So I, especially
1: I, November when yes. it's bright and sunny and it's also beautiful outside. Oh yeah, that's good oh, stuff. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be great This is uh this is interesting because we've uh, we're getting in the nitty-gritty now in college football. You got uh, basically 8 teams that are in the running for the final four spots. And I know you saw this, but but Nick Saban has made it very clear to his football team that you guys better come correct in these last couple of games. And and he basically or else what? He's going to kill them fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he basically said a, a former player of his, I think his name was Joey Scarborough. I, I, I think that's the name. But he came back and he said, Alabama football, if you played us, you never wanted to play us because you would you would feel it after the game. Because we would impose ourselves physically on you to that point. And he's hammering this to his football team. And I'm like, can you make a football team tougher and more physical this late in the season, or is this desperation from Nick Saban realizing? Because a lot of people have said his reign in college football might be coming to an end with the NILs. Yeah, eh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I, not either. buying it yet. He's such a transcendent coach, yes. but it, this is—he was supposed to have a better season this year than he is having.
3: They have, I mean, yeah, they have two <laughs> losses
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's their down yes, to, panic is. year top, two it top
3: is. six teams now well
1: but, but they've also had a couple of near losses too yes. uh, on yeah. top of those two Texas losses Texas A&M game yeah. who
0: stinks yeah, they're terrible um I, I find it interesting that, that uh, Nick Saban is going down the the remember the Titans road. Yes, that's oh, I th- want them to
1: remember forever. Well, the night they played the Crimson Tide. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this it it, this is very interesting.
3: So, today. do you think? Do you guys think that this is the year the pac twelve gets nope. a playoff team? I think uh, USC will play UCLA, Notre Dame, and then either Utah or Oregon in three consecutive weeks. Three ranked teams. You yeah, would think. That would be enough if they had one loss. Notre Dame ranked now? Yeah.
0: How did that happen?
3: (laughs) They beat um, Clemson.
0: Yeah, how did that happen? I don't know. Um, I think the Pac-12 chances come to an end tomorrow, quite honestly. I think UCLA is going to beat USC. Yeah. Do you really? Yes. U of A beat UCLA. Come on. How good could they be? It was a trap game for them. (laughs) Arizona played very well and lost in all of this by the way because again I don't think the Pac-12 is going to have a team in in the playoffs for how many years in a row now are we going four or five years Um, top to bottom it might be the best conference of all the major conferences that's the most ranked team six ranked teams Oregon State has not been talked about much. They're coming in here tomorrow. Yeah. That's a good football team. What Jonathan Smith has done with that program is remarkable.
3: It's top to Did bottom you, good, but they all lose dumb games I mean, and that's why they don't the have bottom, elite teams. The
0: bottom of the conference is not I mean, Colorado is just off they're they're, you know, at at step one of rebuilding.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know, other than that. There's not really bad teams. The uh, What's interesting, did you see the John Canzano tweet about how he quoted somebody in college football that there's a lot of bowl reps coming to this game and they're not coming because of the Sun Devils? Which I thought was stupid. Uh, we, um, we know they're not coming. Right, they're not right. bowl eligible. It, it was a gratuitous like, shot, is what <laughs> yeah, it was. That's
0: everybody's right. piling on the Sun That's Devils. That's what I'm saying. It's time for. How uh, do you like it, Vince? How does it feel? I don't like it. <laughs> Taste of your own medicine. It's yeah. all right. That medicine will go down nice and smooth next Friday. Yeah? You think? godforsaken city down south. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's amazing it's how, how much I always say, like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. And then when the Territorial Cup rolls around, all those juices start flowing again. Yeah, you right. get all that competitive stuff. Of absolutely. course. Of course. That's, that's part of the deal. Well,
3: you know, there is absolutely... I not Oh, boy, I thought this would show up quick <laughs> <fade vertically>. Never easier. <laughs> this mind. better be
0: good now, Jared.
3: <laughs> no? It's not going to be good because <laughs> well I not take
1: riding. the wheel and just drive right into a there's nothing. There's nothing quite
3: like the... Der- d- der- the Ty- <laughs> Cup.
1: Oh, man! <laughs> uh, no, what, what,
3: what, 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 Is that what's worth the it? G- what's the game called, Jared? Well, it's, it's every year. <laughs> Some people call it the Duel
0: d- in the Desert. Yeah. Some people call it... Der- d- där- der- the Cup. It's like I always say on this show. Come for the sports talk, but stay for the comedic timing. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival features Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and many more. It's coming to Tempe Beach Park February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Uh, Coming up next... Is this the week we finally see the Cardinals wide receiver core all together? It's in doubt as we speak on Friday. Uh, That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
4: I got traded here. I was like, I, I, want, I really want to see what,
0: what it looked like. I mean, you know, I know what I'm capable of love, so I'm excited. Tollywood Brown, Cardinals wide receiver on uh, whether or not he's excited to see what coverage looks like with he and DeAndre Hopkins on the field together. But, on this Friday still three days away from kickoff on Monday Night Football in Mexico City. There's some doubt. There's doubt on both of those guys right now. Hollywood yeah, Browns. I didn't know that DeHop was was banged up. Yeah, sounds like he's trending to come back, but DeAndre Hopkins landing on the uh, day one injury report yesterday with a hamstring, and we, we just da- went down this road or still, uh-huh. uh, still on this road with Kyler Murray. Hamstrings are tricky. They can linger, and I think... Um, you know, for, for playmakers, that is certainly an injury you don't want to mess around with. No. And considering what no. DeAndre Hopkins went through last year, um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll find out more today. Won't get a final uh, decision on whether or not he'll play. But, man... I, I, again, it seems like we're never going to see this receiving core as a whole together with with all of these op- the endless options that Kyler Murray talked about.
1: And the other element is, I, I think, when you talk about the passing game, and even even though the offense has been largely suppressed most of the year, Zach Ertz has been very reliable. Yes. When things have been going good, he's been in the middle of a lot of it, and not having him there is is going to be it's going to be an obstacle for this football team because he really truly is a Security blanket, a safety valve, that kind of stuff. If Max Williams comes back, you've got a really good run blocker, and I think Max is good in the passing game, but he's not like Zach Ertz.
0: No, I, I think he was opening eyes before the injury last year and how productive he was in the, in the yep. receiving game, but mm-hmm. uh, certainly not the same level as Zach Ertz. And and then you got to trickle down even further. Trey McBride has um, not done much. He had one catch in the game against the Rams and fumbled that and was able to get it back. But it's been an adventure with him with penalties and, um, you know, lack of production. He's going to get um, an increased opportunity uh, to show what he can do. And, and we've seen kind of an upward trend with the rookies, and MyJ Sanders being at the forefront of that. Um, but Trey McBride... It, it, I, I hate to say it, he's been a major disappointment yeah. so far this year.
1: Well, listen, for being taken as high up as he was, that was, especially when it was such a superfluous pick where you already had depth at the position, and so, so the thinking was, man, this guy must be elite if they're going to go and stock a tight end like this um, with a second round pick with all the needs they had on defense. Well, it turns out the needs on defense haven't been as severe as many of us thought, and that is one thing that Steve Kime has been Right about he said very early on that he felt good about this defense and and I laughed at it at the time and and they've proven me wrong i've mm-hmm. been very 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 happy with the competitive spirit and the results of that defense i don't care what the stats tell me yeah uh, um, but but along those lines it's it's you're expecting a guy that that clearly was supposed to be special and he's been he's really been a walking mental error for most of his rookie season, yeah, shifting the focus to that defense.
0: Um, you're not alone uh, a lot of people won't, won't use the stats solely as how they're going to judge how this defense is played I thought the defense played really well against the Rams different challenge this week J.J. Watt had uh, media availability yesterday he was asked hey are you seeing an upward trend with the defense at this point
3: we're just trying to go out there and play good ball that's all we're trying to put good ball out there uh, trying to get takeaways, trying to get sacks, trying to do whatever we can to give our team a chance to win um, I think that we continue to and try and improve every single week practice and games work is if you keep working at it, you're going to keep getting better.
0: Um, J.J. Watt also uh, took a look at the opposition, the 49ers. First time they'll see them this year. They have weapons all over the place They're, uh, they're unbelievable in making guys miss uh, when it comes to tackling. They're really, really good at open field running. So it's a matter
3: of us doing our jobs and then uh, all swarming to the ball and trying to tackle down.
0: Yeah, watching the 49ers this year, what he talked about, Vic, is exactly what stands out to me. And this is not breaking news, mm-hmm. but if you are not in a mindset to to tackle. Uh, oh, to, yeah. To, to, to be a trustworthy tackler, you're going to get exposed against this team. Just at the receiver position mm-hmm. Debo Samuel, Brandon Iuk, Jawan Jennings. Oh, yeah, was, and that, yeah. And then throw George Kittle into that mix. Yeah. They all run like they're pissed off at the world. They do. And then you bring in running. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is the NFL leader in yards after catch right now. Uh, and a lot of that is because of the, the depth of, of the targets he's getting, but you know what he's capable of. Then they switch it up with Elijah Mitchell. That's a lot of guys that are really hard to tackle. Yeah,
1: and but but for the most part, I again the Cardinals have been very very physical. There have been games, there have been patches in games when the tackling has kind of fallen off a little bit. But I think the Forty ers offense versus the Cardinals defense that side of Monday night's battle. There's going to be some collisions. Uh-huh. There's going to be some heat. Oh, I agree. And you yeah, can, that's where you can kind of set the tone can't wait for, for, that. for the whole game yep. if you're the Cardinals yep. defense.
0: One other thing on J.J. Watt I don't know if you saw this last night. So, the story coming out of the Rams game, and it was featured on Hard Knocks was you know, Cleet Blakeman blew a whistle that cost J.J. Watt a touchdown. He joked around about it. Even his newborn son was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but somebody reached out on social media to JJ Watt and said, "Look, I had this as part of my parlay that the Cardinals were going to score a defensive touchdown. That's the leg that missed." And I think there was maybe a tongue in cheek. Can you help? Can you help a brother out? And JJ Watt's like, "Yeah, I'll take care of you." There was an update to this story. We don't know what it was. We talked about it on the show. Did he send him money? Did he send him a jersey or a gift package? Whatever. This guy Joey Reyes tweeted last night. So, for everyone wondering, yes, J.J. Watt did indeed send me $1,000. Wow! However, this was never about the money for me, and I never even expected this man to do what he did, so to pay it back, I went ahead and matched J.J.'s $1,000 and donated $2,000 to the Watt Foundations. Uh, share your blessings, hashtag bird gang. That's amazing. J.J. Watt uh, quote tweeted that and just said legend with the, the praying hands emoji.
1: That's amazing. Isn't that an awesome that's story? That's really, really good. <laughs> that's that's excellent. Listen, I, I, I want to tell you this. Wait. When J.J. J. Watt signed here for the money he commanded, for the money they could have spent elsewhere, for the people they could have given it to, um, I was a little skeptical, thought maybe, okay, this, is, this might be more of a bring-in-the-big-name kind of guy mm-hmm. – at the end of his so here we go, Terrell Suggs all over, all over again, yeah. and it was it was a hefty price to pay for him. He's been a terrific Arizona Cardinal, yes.
0: terrific, yeah, no doubt about it. Have you subscribed to the Bickley Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice dot com. That's higherprice dot com. Um, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say this. Could very well be the last ever edition (laughs) of Social Studies coming up with Sarah Cazell next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.